0: This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Good evening. This is Reverend Gary Lubin serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families, which can be found on page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Today we celebrate the confession of St. Peter the Apostle. Our reading for this day is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. Now let us begin our worship together. O gracious light, A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of our Lord. Good evening. Well, in our Christian Episcopalian calendar, we are in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany begins every year on January 6th, The day right after Twelfth Night, which is the last day of the 12-day Christmas season. And Epiphany lasts for 47 days, all the way through Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of Lent. And today is the 13th day in Epiphany, just a little more than a quarter of our journey through it. Epiphany comes from a Greek word meaning showing forth, appearance, Manifestation, Revelation. On January 6th, we recognized the manifestation or revelation of Jesus the Christ and all the benefits and obligations of God's love thereof to all the people of the good old earth. And all of this was signified by virtue of the three magi arriving in the Holy Land after their very long journey from the Far East. Since they were following a star, I would like to think of that revelatory event as a bursting forth, kind of like an exploding supernova, or even more significant, a Big Bang, a history-changing event, or rather, really, to mark the beginning of a new history, Big Bang. In addition to Jesus' birth and his recognition by the Magi, Other epiphanies of Jesus' divinity included his baptism and the wedding at Cana in Galilee, where he miraculously changed water into wine. Now, the activities described in today's Gospel reading are also epiphanies, and in more ways than one. We find Jesus and his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee in the southwest. Foothills of Mount Hermon, not at all far from the kibbutz Kar Bloom, which Janice and I visited one time with other Church of the Redeemer wayfarers on our pilgrimage to the Holy Land. The region is known for its grotto, red rock bluffs, and forests. It is the location of an extensive spring system feeding the Jordan River, making the area very fertile and a go-to place back then for pagan religious worship. The ruins of lots of old temples are there to visit. Is it divine irony or destiny? Or by deliberate planning that Jesus leads his disciples to what was then a Gentile area? For what unfolds next? It seems to be just the right setting for better understanding Evolving relationships and for revelations to occur, and perhaps for Jesus to come out of the closet, as you might say. Maybe an excellent opportunity for others to observe, to consider the absurd, the impossible, to change their minds and hearts, to grow, develop, to become different people. Might I venture to say perhaps even Jesus' understanding of himself is changing to a kind of self discovery? It's definitely a turning point in Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus asks his disciples this seemingly simple but loaded question Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, the Son of Man is a title which Jesus uses to describe himself. So, in the question he posed to the disciples by using the term Son of Man, he means himself. In the Old Testament, the term Son of Man is used more than a 100 times with various interpretations and definitions. One use is as a description of an ordinary human being, of being human, similar to the meaning of being son of, as in, you know, the son of someone. However, the term could also allude to the prophesied coming of the Messiah figure described in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. In Daniel's night vision or dream, The reign of God is represented by comparing and contrasting idolatrous world powers in the forms of monstrous beasts with the arrival of the Son of Man or human being who just so happens to be the Messiah. I would like to read it to you from the message version of the Bible which describes Daniel's prophetic dream like this. I kept watching. The little horn was speaking arrogantly. Then as I watched, the monster was killed and its body cremated in a roaring fire. The other animals lived on for a limited time, but they didn't really do anything, had no power to rule. My dream continued. I saw a human form, a son of man, arriving in a whirl of clouds. He came to the old one and was presented to him. He was given power to rule all the glory of royalty. Everyone, race, color, and creed, had to serve him. His rule would be forever, never ending. His kingly rule would never be replaced. So what do you think of that? Now, As it is the habit of Jesus, he speaks in a way allowing the hearer to decide what's what, just like he does today. I wonder if the disciples were surprised by Jesus' question. The disciples respond by describing what others think, saying that others say the Son of Man is a returned John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets are they dodging the question jesus presses the point by further asking but who do you say that i am having a reputation of being impetuous i wonder if peter was jumping in speaking from the heart before getting his brain in gear <laughs> but all the same peter is the first to respond perhaps saying what all of them were thinking about Jesus and what we may be wondering, too. I mean, it's just too good to be true, isn't it? Well, then maybe it is. Anyhow, so Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, I wish I could have been there to hear that. Did Peter blurt out his answer in a robust, enthusiastic manner? Or was his response kind of low-key, very matter-of-fact? After all, the sentence ends with a lackluster period. There is no exclamation point like there is when Jesus next responds, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Judah! Exclamation point. However, he says that Peter's statement marks a turning point in Jesus' life and ministry. And that is because to this point in Jesus' career of becoming becoming our Savior, he pretty much focused his message on the arrival of the kingdom or reign of God. However, from now on, Jesus begins speaking more and more of his destiny in terms of his suffering and death, which is in complete contrast to Jewish expectations of a Messiah. God is always doing the unexpected, aren't they? And we are faced with answering that question for ourselves. Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Who do you say the Son of Man is? We are challenged to look outside of the box, to question our assumptions, our prejudgments, our jumping to conclusions, our prejudices, Perhaps the Son of Man is that person closest to you, or that person who is not so close but needs you all the same. For one thing, we should broaden our horizons to be more inclusive by asking, who do you say that the daughter of human is? And there should be a way of asking such a question to include everyone, I'm thinking right now, in particular, the LGBTQ plus community of believers. Words have power. You know, in his writings, Paul points out that we are all adopted by God, all God's children, whether we like it or not. I chuckle because sometimes it sounds like we are being drafted. (laughs) But I cannot think of a better situation to be dragged kicking and screaming into the arms of God's love. The gospel truth, or the good news, or the God news, as it were, is that Jesus revealed God to all people. God's love, grace, mercy is available to everyone, and God's love comes with no exceptions, not even me or you. Every Christmas time, I like reading Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, in which all of us human beings are described as being fellow passengers to the grave. Our Christian responsibility is to especially care for those passengers who are the last, lost, least, left out, and lonely. And our ticket to ride is another L word I previously mentioned, L-O-V-E, love, love. Love is our ticket to ride. Love God and love your neighbor. Jesus was all about servanthood, volunteer servanthood, albeit maybe some of us need a kick in the pants or to be conscripted. (laughs) Well, forgive me for jumping around here. In plain, simple terms, your neighbor is anyone who needs you. So just, quote, board the train, there's no getting off, end quote. Well, I stole that line from Sylvia Plath's poem, Metaphors, which is about pregnancy. She wrote it when she was carrying her child. We are pregnant with possibility, and God knows it, and God wants you. Amen. And now a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It is not ourselves that we proclaim. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, Out of darkness let light shine, has caused his light to shine within us to give the light a revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, And let us now pray the Collect for the Feast Day of the Confession of St. Peter the Apostle. Almighty Father, who inspired Simon Peter, first among the Apostles, to confess Jesus as Messiah and Son of the Living God, keep our Church steadfast upon the rock of this faith, so that in unity and peace, we may proclaim the one truth and follow the one Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us now take some time pausing our worship together, if you need to do that, to offer up our prayers of intercession, thanksgiving, and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, for the social and natural orders, for family and personal life, in particular for those who are suffering and those who have died. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people in the multitude of your mercies. Look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls. And to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Now let us pray the Collect for the Human Family, found on page 815 of the prayer book. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts Break down the walls that separate us, unite us in bonds of love, and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time, all nations, all peoples of the earth, the one human family may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray the Collect for Social Order and Social Justice, found on page 823. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving Spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace, Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now let us pray the concluding collect from page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now go in peace, hope, and joy to love and serve our God in the name of our Teacher and Savior, Jesus.